She's good! What? She's good to go! Whoa, 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 wait a minute! What? That's it? I, I mean, I mean, that was fast. You're done? Yep. I need details. Did you appear to her in a dream? Hey, I heard that sometimes goes a little smoother. Nope. God said he wanted me to talk to this one face to face. Well, how'd you go? What do you mean? I mean, did you disguise your angelness a little bit? My angelness? Oh, you know what I mean. No, I went like this. <laughs> you just wore that? What? Is something wrong with my robe? Are my wings crooked? I looked at a mirror before I went. You look fine. You scared me for a minute. God said this one was important. I wanted to look my best. I'm just shocked it went so well. I mean, she is a human. Well, she was a little bit scared at first. Ah, you had to go with the old fear not speech, huh? Yep. <laughs> what about us is so frightening anyway? Seriously, in human interaction 101... I thought learning the whole fear not speech was going to be frivolous. According to my notes, it is the one used the most. That's what I'm saying. Anyway, what happened next? I mean, after the whole, I'm Gabriel, do not be afraid part. I told her that she was going to have a baby. (laughs) And? Well, I did actually have to explain that one a little bit. Right, right. And then she just said... I am the Lord's servant. Um, I'm trying to remember that one exactly. Wait, wait. There weren't any more questions? Like what? Like what? Like, like how am I going to explain this to Joseph? You told her you would appear to him in a dream, didn't you? Nope. <laughs> Come on. No. No, I didn't. God didn't tell me to. Really? What about... Um, what about, how am I going to explain this to my parents? Do you really think that's going to be a problem? Do I think that's going to be a problem? Mom, Dad, I'm pregnant. But don't worry, God did it. I'm beginning to see your point. Did she mention what she should do, if she should be shunned? Or what if the town decides they want to stone her? You know, this will be looked on as adultery. Mary didn't commit adultery. (laughs) Well, I know that, and you know that. But who else is going to believe that she saw an angel? I mean, we don't appear to just anyone. Although lately my errands have been picking up. I've noticed. (sighs) Zachariah was a trip. (laughs) Now that one... That would seem to take a little more time. Well, you know all of the, how can I be sure? Isn't my wife too old? Aren't I too old? Yada, yada, yada. That man can talk. (sighs) Well, he used to. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I'm just surprised that Mary didn't have any more questions. She didn't even ask why he decided to come as a baby? I mean, I'm still questioning that one. Nope. She just said... She just said, I'm... I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Wow. 
You sure that's verbatim? Yep. What version are you reporting for? Uh, New International. Good, good. Okay, gotta go. Ah, gotta go appear to Joseph in a dream. <laughs> right, and then you gotta get that choir ready, because, you know, uh, the last rehearsal sounded a little pitchy. Pitchy? I'm just saying, it's gonna be a silent night. One wrong note in an a cappella choir? This is going to be recorded for the ages. You worry too much. Those herald angels will be harking in key. Can I quote you on that? Well, thank you, Angel Gabriel and Angel Bill. A thought-provoking time. Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. It's really a great time of the year. And I want to go over again what's coming this week. So you can be involved in part of it or all of it. We're having our traditional Christmas Eve services right here. Candlelight service at 4 p.m. and at 5.30 p.m. So you can pick either one of those. Also, Christmas morning, if, you're, if you have family, you want to just stay at home and worship the Lord there, we're providing a 10-minute a video that you can, you're going to get an email and you can just click on it and you can just worship in there. There's a short, brief message where you can just have a time with family if you've got family coming in and you can, again, focus on the meaning of Christmas. Then Christmas morning, next Sunday at 10 a.m., we're having a service here and it's going to be led by our Spanish-speaking congregation, Pastor Alexei, but it's going to have an English translation. So you can be involved in any of those or all of those. It's going to be a great week. Now, this morning, I want to talk to you about a profound truth. I want to talk to you about what is the logo for followers of Jesus Christ? What is our corporate logo? What is the logo for Christians all over the world? What is it? What should it be? Now, a lot of us can think about different corporations that have a logo that's very memorable, very engaging. And I just want to throw a couple, few logos up there, and let's just see if it's worked. If you see that logo and immediately you know the corporation's name, shout it out. Let's go with the first one. Nike. Nike swoosh. Victory. Winning. All right, next one. The golden arches, abundance, supersize me. Next one. Mercedes-Benz, status. See, we have these different logos that a lot of smart people stay up late at night trying to think of what kind of symbol our logo would really cause people to be drawn to our product. Would make it memorable, make it, you know, enticing. Now, with all that in mind, <clears throat> my question again to you is what is the corporate logo for Christianity? Now, I want to go ahead and get some help here. So, Anna's agreed to help me and Daniel. So, if you two would come on up, <clears throat> Anna and Daniel, go ahead and make your way on up. Let's see, I see Anna coming. There they are. Y'all come on up here. Because I need some help. Now, 
just so we can know where you are <laughs> at all times here, we've got a little way to do that. Okay, now you're going to help me unwrap some of these gifts. You guys don't like unwrapping presents? Yes. You do? All right. So we're going to consider the first one, the first possible potential corporate logo for Christianity. Let's unwrap this one right here. Okay, go ahead, Ann. You can help him take it off. And you can just, like you do at home, just throw it on the floor. (laughs) Okay, both of you stand there for a second. Now, the first potential logo for followers of Jesus could be a throne. Remember, Jesus sat on a throne before he came to the earth. The Son of God, in fact, is captured for us in Isaiah chapter 6. He's sitting on a throne. The train of his robe fills the temple. He's surrounded by seraphim, six-winged angels, singing of his greatness and his holiness. And these angels must have been just stunned when one day the Son of God stood up, took off his royal robes, set aside his crown of glory, and came to the earth to become one of those creeping, crawling little creatures called mankind. So we also know that not only did he come from a throne, but he's on a throne today. So maybe a throne would be a great logo for Christianity, for followers of Jesus. Maybe we should have thrones on top of church buildings. Maybe thrones, you know, in the back of churches or on our walls. Maybe that would be a good way, a good symbol, a good logo for Christianity. All right, let's try another one. Why don't you guys unwrap this one right here? All right. Now, what is this? It's a manger. Okay, so the Son of God came to earth. He humbles himself, becomes a man, but not just any man. He's born a baby, not just any baby. He's born a baby to poor parents, born in a little dusty town called Bethlehem. In fact, there was no room for them in the inn, you remember. And his mother, Mary, had to lay baby Jesus in a cattle trough in a manger. So maybe a manger, since that's what reminds us of the incarnation, God, the Son of God becoming a man, maybe the manger would be a good logo for followers of Jesus. Maybe we should have mangers on our necklaces, mangers on the top of church buildings, manger plaques on our walls. Maybe the manger would be a good one. Maybe that should be our corporate logo. Let's try another one. Why don't you guys, let's just pull this all the way back. Over, yes, pull it, pour it over. Let's just, there you go. Let's just bring it down here. Now, what is this? Well, this is a carpenter's bench because Jesus grew up to be a man who was a carpenter. Maybe that should be our corporate logo, a carpenter's bench. The book of Proverbs teaches us that the kind of work that God blesses is those who work hard, those who work with excellence, and those who work honestly. So we know that Jesus was that kind of carpenter. He did excellent work. He showed us that God values work. So maybe a carpenter's bench. Maybe that's what should be on the end of our necklaces, on top of churches. A carpenter's bench, reminding us that Jesus grew up to be a man. And who worked. 
Not only that, a man who showed us what God is like. Jesus showed us what the Father's like. If you ever wonder what God is like, all you have to do is look at Jesus. He showed us exactly what God is like in every way. Okay, but I have another one here because Jesus, at his baptism, now, Anna, I need you to help me get this out. Can you get that out? Pull up. At his baptism, the Holy Spirit came upon him like a dove. So maybe the dove should be our corporate logo. The followers of Jesus. The Holy Spirit came upon Jesus and he did all his ministry by the power of the Holy Spirit as a man. God emptied himself. He came a man, waited for the Holy Spirit to come upon him as baptism, and then does his miracles as a man by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit came upon him like a dove at his baptism. So maybe a dove would be a good logo for followers of Jesus. But also, if you remember, do you know how to light a lighter? Now, John the Baptist said that he baptized with water, but one was coming after him who would baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So Jesus, part of his ministry would be to baptize us with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, stand way far away from your body and like that. Kind of squeeze tight. So, do I have any eyebrows? Now your dad says you're not allowed to play with fire. You know that, don't you? So maybe fire should be our logo. Maybe that should be, you know, how, what we're known for. But after Jesus does his ministry, we know that he dies. And after he dies, he's buried. And if you come over here, Daniel, unwrap this gift right here. You can pull it that way. It's fine. So Jesus is put in a tomb. There's a stone rolled in front of that tomb. But remember, on the third day, Jesus rose from the dead. The stone was rolled away. So maybe a stone would be a good symbol for Christianity. Remember that Jesus rose from the dead. I mean, over 500 witnesses saw the resurrected Christ. And many of them suffered persecution and even martyrdom because they would not stop speaking about what they saw. Today in the court of law, if you get two or three witnesses, it's considered a fact. Over 500 witnesses saw the resurrected Christ and would not stop speaking about that even at the cost of their lives. So a stone might be a good symbol, a good corporate logo. Maybe we should have just big stones on top of churches and on necklaces, remembering that he rose from the dead. But actually, all these would be great symbols for the corporate logo of followers of Jesus. But let's look at one more. Can you all take this off? And here we have the corporate logo 
of followers of Jesus. Over 2,000 years, this has been our logo. This has been our symbol, symbol of Christianity, a thing that best explains what it means to us to be a Christian, to be a follower of Jesus. This has been our symbol, but when you think about it, Two pieces of wood stuck together to make a cross that at one time people were executed on. Criminals were executed on it. That the cross is a symbol of humil humiliation and death. Our corporate logo is an instrument of death. Now think about that because I can't imagine anyone having a necklace with a little gas chamber on the end of it or having a little lethal injection needle on the end of your necklace, or a little guillotine, or a little gas chamber. Those are all instruments of death for criminals. In the first century, the cross was the instrument of death. Instrument of humiliation and death. Now, I'm not... We've kind of romanticized the cross and we wear it on necklaces and I'm okay with that. But I think sometimes it lost its meaning a little bit to us when we've romanticized it. So we need to come back and think about that because if you're really trying to come up with a symbol, with a logo that is appealing, if you're trying to build a movement and you want men and women and boys and girls from all over the world to be part of your movement, why would you pick that one? Can you imagine Texas Electric deciding they wanted the electric chair to be their logo? They wouldn't want that. They wouldn't want death connected with their product. Well, how about if Dow Chemical decided they wanted the lethal injection needle to be their logo? Dow Chemical. They wouldn't want death connected with their product. They don't think that would be appealing. Yet, if you are a follower of Jesus, this is our logo. And we love the cross. We embrace the cross. We are indebted to the cross. Why? I mean, the question should scream out, why? Why is the cross our logo? I mean, you think about McDonald's and abundance, Mercedes and status, Nike and victory, the cross and death. Why is that our logo? The Bible says that he took away our curse by himself becoming a curse. That he, when he came to this cross, he died on a cross and he hung here taking all of our sins upon himself, absorbing the judgment that we deserve. He died in our place. It's called the substitutionary atonement. He took our place, died our death, bore our sins, absorbed our judgment. And so the cross becomes very dear to us because there's no hope without the cross. There's no life. There's no eternal life without the cross. We're forever lost in our sins. The wages of sin is death, the Bible says. Without the cross, we are hopeless. And on the cross, Jesus yells something. We translate it with three words. It's one word he yells. It's the most important word in the whole Bible. You know what he yells from the cross? We translate it, 
It is finished. What's finished? The mission the Father sent him to do is finished by him dying. Now, the word it is finished, the one word we translate it into it is finished was used in the marketplace. If you bought something in the marketplace, sometimes they would stamp on your receipt, paid in full. Paid in full. There's one word, paid in full. Tetelestai. Paid in full. And Jesus yells that word, Tetelestai. It's finished. I paid in full. What's paid in full? What did the Father send him to do that was finished by him dying on the cross? The resurrection proved the cross worked. He finished. His victory was at the cross. What is it he paid in full by dying? Well, in order for me to explain that, I need to show you something else. Okay, so Anna and Daniel, come over here. Now, Anna, I want you to pull out this gift right here. And pull it out. There you go. Now, y'all come over here closer. I want this to be another symbol. Come over here, Daniel. There you go. Because this is a set of scales. Now, scales, you know, something can outweigh the other thing. And these are scales. The reason I put this up here is one of the things to consider is because so many profession Christians have adopted this as their symbol. So many Christians at church this morning in this country and around the world still believe that if they just do enough good deeds to outweigh their bad deeds, they can get to heaven. So a lot of professing Christians hold more to the scales than they do to the cross. Let me illustrate this. Okay, so Anna, let's just say these, all these white stones here represent all of Daniel's good deeds. Do you know Daniel? You do know? So let's just say, Daniel, this is every good thing you've ever done right here. All right? Anna, do you think Daniel's ever sinned? Yes? Maybe a lot? Yeah? Let's just represent Daniel's sin right here. Daniel, you got a problem. (laughs) You don't have enough good deeds to overcome your bad deeds. In fact, the Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It doesn't matter how many good deeds you have. If you just have one sin, you can't get to heaven. Nobody can God is holy. God is perfect. How can I go be next to a holy God with even one sin? How can I go into a holy heaven even with one sin? I've got a problem. That's why, forget the scales. We need the cross. Because at the cross, two things happen. Jesus takes all of my sins, bears them, absorbs the judgment, so my sins are forgiven. But I'm still not perfect, so how am I going to get into a perfect heaven? I'm still not perfect unless perfection is given to me as a gift, unless righteousness is imputed to me, given to me. And here's what Jesus does at the cross. There's this great exchange. He takes our sins away on himself, dies our death. 
then gives us his righteousness. He gives it to us. So my sins are taken away, and I'm given righteousness. So now, because of the cross, I can go to heaven with a perfect God, a holy God, a righteous God, and righteous heaven, holy heaven. Because of the cross. I embrace the cross. I'm indebted to the cross. I love the cross. I love Christmas that Jesus came in a manger, but he came to go to the cross. And that's when he could yell, it is finished. It's Christmas time. We celebrate the beginning of the mission. But don't lose sight of where that whole thing was going the whole time. The cross is the center of the Christian faith. It is our corporate logo. In fact, I believe it's the center of the whole universe. I love the photos that the Hubble telescope has sent back. I've spent many hours looking at all kinds of different photos of galaxies. It fascinates me. There's a galaxy called the Whirlpool Galaxy. It's 31 million light years away. The light from that galaxy takes 31 million years to get here at light speed. That's how far away it is. Well, Hubble Telescope started capturing the Whirlpool Galaxy and focusing on it, and it decided to focus at the, to the center of the Whirlpool Galaxy. And you know what they saw? <clears throat> they didn't see a Mercedes status symbol. They didn't see golden arches. They didn't see a Nike swoosh. Do you want to see what the Hubble Telescope saw in the center of the Whirlpool Galaxy? Show that. The cross. I think we're going to find it one day that it's at the center of the universe. That Jesus, when he shouted it is finished, it's still reverberating throughout the universe. The cross. We love the cross. We love what Jesus has done for us. So if it is finished, then why are you still carrying guilt and shame around if he already bore it? If it is finished, why are you still in a condemnation for your sin? It's finished. It's finished. What he came to do on Christmas, he went to the cross and finished the mission taking our sin, shame, and guilt, condemnation, bore it all, absorbed it all. It is finished. So on this Christmas, I want you to simply remember this. It came from a throne. All the glory and majesty. Freaked out the angels, I'm sure, when he stepped down to become one of us. He went to the manger. This is the incarnation. He's a God became a man. But that was the beginning of the mission. He goes to the cross. He takes all of your sin, shame, guilt, condemnation, and then he yells, it is finished. So on this Christmas week, I just want you to remember that. I want you to be thankful for that. And I want all of us to have a merry, merry Christmas. Let's stand for prayer. Father, we thank you for the cross. We thank you, Jesus, that you're willing to come. Father, that you sent him to this earth. Jesus, you humbled yourself to do it. 
being born a baby in a little dusty town, laid in a manger. You grew up to show us what the Father's like, and then to go to the cross for us. Thank you that it's finished. I pray this week that we'd walk out this week with the joy and the hope of what this season really ought to all be about, that you came, and you came to do the very thing, Lord, that you promised. Take care of our sin problem. Give us righteousness that we can be with you forever. So, Lord, I pray that for every gathering this week, for all those who are traveling, Lord, would you cause us to experience blessing and to be a blessing everywhere we go. I pray all this in Jesus' name.